0: Anyone who's a responsible owner never wants to go into any situation and say like, yeah, I'm going to kill that guy. I don't want to hurt anybody. That's not the goal. But I would think that society has led us to a place where if that's what you think, there's something wrong with you. Please don't get your real estate license. It's not meant to be a side hustle. Do you want a side hustle agent helping you buy the most expensive thing you're ever going to spend money on? No.
1: What's going to separate the good from great real estate agents?
0: Those that survive the real estate industry are going to be the ones who are diligent about educating themselves on the problem. Process. somebody's losing some equity when they do a wholesale deal you're essentially stealing someone else's equity and taking it for yourself I'm not cool with other countries owning large portions of territory in the United States I'm concerned about that to be honest so many times we are stuck looking at a phone missing out on moments of our lives but your view on things changes when you lose someone I would give my left leg to spend two minutes with my dad I'll have that as an option
1: we're already live so we're gonna dive right into it I got Nicole on the show she's a broker and owner of uh, the Harrison company Uh, you're a realtor here in Columbus Ohio and there's a lot of realtors there's a lot of people in the real estate industry and before we went live we were just talking about we all know somebody in the real estate industry people come and go but we're starting to really see in modern times like you are selecting the person that you're working with the agent uh and people really just in general online based on more than them being able to negotiate terms, being able to find you the house, be able to walk you through that buying process. It's really, in my personal opinion, I think you can attest to this, with most of the time people that you align with, and we were talking on the controversial topic of guns and having the right to carry a gun in the United States of America. But, you know, you showing houses to clients, like that can be, maybe terrifying, not only for women, but even for, for men, sure. you know, being able to protect yourself late at night. But you were sharing a story where a man jumped into your car on a Tuesday afternoon, broad daylight Yeah, and you aren't carrying. And most people in life, they're not prepared. There's no plan. That's They'd-
0: when I get you right. That's when life just smacks you in the face. So yeah, I left the gym. Um, it was like Tuesday, 10 a.m., Um, Had shorts on, it was summer. So I wasn't really thinking, hey, I need to carry my gun today because I knew where I was going and I was going straight home. Decided to make a pit stop at Target. You know, it's a well-known Target right by the freeway. So it wasn't like I was in the middle of nowhere. And intuition is no joke, by the way. Um, I felt like something was off that day. I'm not a big person. Like I don't, I'm not looking at my phone when I'm walking in the parking lot. Head's always on a swivel. But the hair on the back of my neck stood up that day and I felt it. Felt something was going to go wrong and it did. And this guy who I think he was on drugs, maybe he was mentally ill, I'm not sure, maybe combo both. And I was driving my other half's truck, which I don't normally drive. It's a black ops truck. Mm. Like, of all the people in the parking lot, that's not the truck you want to run into (laughs) because it's got like cross bows and like guns on the back of the thing, but whatever. And uh, I wasn't used to where the lock was. So I get in the truck and I could feel something happen. He grabbed the door handle on the passenger side and jumped in. And I couldn't hit the lock button fast enough because it was in a different spot on the door. And I wasn't carrying that day because I went to grab, right? Because I know where it normally is. It's just. It's,
1: right in the holster.
0: Right. And uh, yeah, I uh, had the sunroof uh, cracked, screamed. Because in that moment, you kind of freeze. Like mm-hmm. you want to be like a hero and say, oh, yeah, I pushed him out of my truck. It wasn't quite like that. Um, but it was my intense screaming to get out, get out, get the fuck out of the truck. Um, eventually, I shoved him because he didn't have the door all the way, and his foot was kind of out. He slid off of like the uh, I don't know the railing uh, mm-hmm. to step in, and he got out. But I will tell you, it's it is frightening. Like you're, mo- I mean, he was grabbing at me and closing his eyes with his one hand and grabbing at me. I'm in a seatbelt, so I can't get out. It's frightening. So people don't, you have like, you can play that scenario. Like what would I do a hundred million times over? If I'd had a gun that day, I think about how would my life have been better? I didn't want, you don't want to kill anybody. Anyone who's a responsible gun owner never wants to go into any situation and say like, yeah, I'm gonna kill that guy. No, I don't want to do that. That's last resort. When you threaten my life though, like it's me or you, it's me. Like I have to choose me. Yeah, I would have done that day different.
1: Yeah, that's where the the controversy is at. Right? It's it's not a very, in my personal opinion, like a yes or no thing. Should we have the rights to carry a gun or should we not? It gets very unique, very quick in terms of uh, should people have the ability to go get military grade weapons? Uh, should people have the ability to, you know, carry a gun with a license or not? And then what we see nearly. At this point, every single day, there's a school shooting. Sure. So the fear around your kid going to school and being a part of this system, uh, it's a very unique topic because I see both sides. I see how in a perfect world, sure, we don't need to have guns. Sure. But at the same time, I go, that's very weird that our founding fathers in the United States of America said, number one, you can say whatever you want. And number two, you're probably going to say some crazy shit that you need to protect yourself, <laughs> right? And so I think that's that's where we obviously align and I'm sure, and I believe most people align with this. I think most people align. It's kind of coming back to the comments. I think we can get so fixated on that one or two comments that just really agitate us. Sure. And there's a hundred other ones that are very positive. But at the end of the day, I think it's potentially ignorance, right? So where do you see in terms of people that are kind of maybe on the fence about it. Like, where do you think the ignorance has caught your attention?
0: So in the comments of when I posted a video after the fact, like shortly after I got home, because it was, I was so upset and enraged that it had even happened because I should be able to go to target on a Tuesday and get detergent. Like that was the whole reason. And so when
1: well, you went to target, you got more than a detergent.
0: Well, listen, surprisingly not, target. maybe two other things, but <laughs> like it wasn't a ton. Um, the whole, the comment section was rough. People were like, you deserve to die because you own guns. You're part of the problem. And it wasn't, I didn't post it to ask other people's opinions. I didn't post it to be divisive. I posted it because my goal was, as I think about every single girl, every woman I know, they're buried in their phone as they walk through a parking lot or a store or wherever the hell they're going. And they're not looking up, right? And the world is happening around you. You're missing all the things that like you should be paying attention to. I didn't like, kept thinking about my nieces and my sister and my mom and like, they should be able to go and not feel like somebody's going to rip their purse off or hurt them um, in the middle of the day or whenever. So the comments were, again, you should die. You must be conservative. You must be a Republican. And listen, I don't really talk politics a lot publicly. Um, this is not a political thing. This is a right to protect yourself. This is a right to feel safe, whether you're by yourself, in your home, doing your job. Um, And again, I don't wave it around. I I don't want to hurt anybody. That's not the goal. But I would think that society has led us to a place where if that's what you think, there is something wrong with you. And I I don't agree with that. You have the right to protect yourself.
1: Yeah. And people in California, they're, they're seeing the consequence of it, right? They're seeing businesses just allowing people to come in, steal whatever they want. And if you protect your store or if you're protecting your home, right. you're the one that's wrong. You're the one that if someone breaks into your house and tries to kill you and steal your things and you shoot and kill them to protect you and your family, yeah. you're the one that's wrong, which is absolutely wild to me. Well, it's on society, absolutely-
0: yeah, they're teaching everybody that it, because somebody else has it, if you want it, just go take it. And that's not, I wasn't raised that way. If, if there's something I want in my life, whether it's material or otherwise, the goal is to do the work to get it if that's really important to me. So that means I might have to make some sacrifice, but I'm certainly not going to go take it from somebody else just because I decided I wanted it. So that it, we just have a societal crash here happening where people, morals are gone, values are gone, families are gone, and that even more so makes me think about you know carrying a gun.
1: Yeah, I I like how you put that. It's a lot of people want to go take something from someone else instead of creating their own whatever that may be, material things, lifestyle. Let's talk on the household because you are a very integral part of people's lives. Not necessarily, again, we were saying some of these things off camera, but you had mentioned, you know, I'm not here to find somebody a house. I think that's where a big problem is popping up and that I've heard from countless people, whether they are first-time homebuyers, whether they're investors. Well, I found this property. Why do I need an agent, right? And I, I do believe there's a valid argument that buyer agents... Realtors, representing buyers, are becoming less necessary, right, in, in times. But the other part of me is in full disagreement of that because it's not necessarily finding the house, right? Finding the property that that investor or that person wants, especially someone that's wanting to find a specific house that meets what they're looking for with themselves and or their family, the square footage, number of bedrooms, what it looks like, you're not them. So you don't know exactly what they want. You can have a good idea. Sure. But one thing you said off camera was, oh, I'm not there to find them a house. I'm there to do the things that they don't know and or what I like to refer to like their blind spots. Sure. Negotiating, dealing with contracts, all the nuances that it takes to close a real estate deal. So I would like for you to maybe shed some light on uh, how you've been able to help people, whether they're a first-time home buyer or maybe they're just buying their next house from a family standpoint or just from a real estate standpoint in general, like how have you been able to help people in your journey?
0: Yeah, so this is my 20s, I'm like mid-23rd year uh, being an agent. And I will say that um, that makes me feel really old, but I have been through watching how the market and how representation and what role realtors play it's changed dramatically. And with popular sites uh, that people like and apps that they like to peruse and look for homes, I get that that's not going to go away, right? And the role that the realtor plays is dramatically different today than even five years ago. So my my job when I say to you is not to go find you a house. It is to some degree. You're going to tell me what you're hoping to gain. I'm going to tell you whether that's even reasonable or not because if you're asking me for the farm and you have like of your budget, right? We're going to have a problem. So I'm going to align your expectation, but you can find usually what you want on any other website or app. So my my job really is to make sure that we're not putting you in a position of liability and risk unnecessarily. There's a lot of risk when you own real estate and you're going to watch every YouTube clip or, you know, Instagram reel about hey, you buy a house and it's super simple and you don't need a realtor. I strongly disagree with that. If people only knew they only knew the things that I have to do on a daily basis that 23 years has allowed me to make it look easy, but it is definitely not. It's the stuff where I go home and want to rip my hair out. And if realtors are being honest, that's the stuff that gives them a little bit of heart palpitation every day where you're just like, again, okay. So it's, you have
1: great hair for 23 years yeah. as an agent, by the way, you know, that's I'm a good hairstylist. You've uh, yeah. Shout out to the hairstylist because 23 years, <laughs> 23 years in any industry is almost unheard of because people just hop around, but let alone in the real estate industry, it's arguably, if not the biggest turnover industry in America.
0: Well, and I think one of the other things is realtors. I see it a lot. I probably, I have been with three, three, no, i sorry, four brokerages in my career. Uh, One was in the beginning of my career. One was because I switched industries and decided to do commercial for a little while. Wasn't my thing. Meet some really good friends, met my other half that way. And then- once I joined another brokerage when I came back for residential, realizing all the things I didn't like about it and how antiquated it was and how it felt like I'm walking into a funeral home of an office every day, that wasn't me, mm-hmm. right? So opening my own was really the only way to get me where I wanted to go. I think other realtors, they they, yeah. they hop to like- Incessantly, And then their client's like, well, I don't know where they are. Are they here? Are they there? They, that was seven brokerages ago, right? So I think part of the reason they jump is because they're looking for leads because they're looking for someone else to provide them business. This is not the business in which someone's going to hand it to you. It's going to be based upon the effort you put forth, the impact you make on someone else's life in a good way, mm-hmm. right? That that referral business will come back. I'll pay for leads, you know? So I think realtors really need to be careful where they go and try to stick it out because it's, by the way, it's probably you. If that's a problem and you're not selling anything, it's you.
1: Well, no, it's never me. Come on (laughs) now. I'm going to take ownership for my actions.
0: Yeah. That would require personal insight, which we are all lacking.
1: Yeah. That's a therapy session. That's another, that's episode two. But it's actually funny you say that because agents will- most agents will go be bottle girls and then they'll get in the industry, right? That's what you were saying off. Yep. I'm joking. Yeah, that's well, a joke.
0: I was not a bottle girl, but yeah, we can go there, I guess.
1: <laughs> that's, that's my funny joke. And it's uh, probably going to get me in some <laughs> trouble know I say, but it is what it is. But most people getting into the real estate industry, they want, all humans want control, sure. right? They want the ability to build their own business. But then what happens is a lot of times, in my personal opinion, they're in a golden cage, Right In reality, they are working for this brokerage, making this brokerage money. And you get to a point where you're like, hmm, you're not giving me any leads. And it kind of comes back to the first thing we were just talking about of people just want to go take, take, take instead of create. And it just comes to a point where the one you get in the industry because you want to create your own reality. Um, But then it's very easy to just blame, to say it's the brokerage's fault. Sure. They're not providing me leads instead of taking full responsibility to you know, say. And
0: accountability right.
1: Exactly. So for you, it was, I'm going to get in the industry to create my own reality, but then, you know what? I'm actually going to just go start and own my own brokerage so I don't have anyone to necessarily report to. Sure. I mean,
0: I'm a rule follower, right? So I believe in truly following the law and making sure that we're doing things that we need to be doing to a degree. But I think there are a way you have to be looking at how can this be done better? How can this process be improved upon? And I think, listen, everybody and their brother got the real estate license in like 2019, right? 2020. They're like, oh, COVID hit. I don't want to work in an office anymore. I'm just going to go get my real estate license. Please don't. Please don't. Don't don't get your real estate license. It's not meant to be a side hustle. It's not meant to be like, do you want a side hustle agent helping you buy the most expensive thing you're ever going to spend money on? No. hmm no, so we, we've we created a, a culture in which we tell people like you can have millions because that YouTuber says you can. And all you got to do is like sell your soul. No big deal, right? Just
1: get your real estate Uh-oh. license. Selling the soul. Uh-oh. Right,
0: yeah. It will require you to spend countless hours away from your family. Like all my friends were going out and having fun. Guess who wasn't? This girl, right? It just, and I'm, I was okay with that because it was the discipline enough and the sacrifice to do what I needed to do now versus what everybody else wanted that like uh, exciting moment in life. Well, I'm 20 or I'm 30. Mm -hmm. These are the things I want to do. My head was down. My head's still down when people are like, what are you doing for, you know, what's your year look like last year? You know what today? I don't even know because I don't until it's tax time. My head is down. I have to keep going. You can't let, I had this big deal. And so I'm set for the year. No, you keep going. So I think you have other realtors here like, they get so caught up on that high too, where they're like, oh yeah, I sold this million dollar house. Great. Don't go out and buy a Maserati or like quite yet. Um, Because PS repo man will come take it back if you can't pay for it. Um, I think we have made it look too easy. We have made it look too easy. We have diminished society's view of what a buyer's agent does. We have diminished the value of what the listing agent does. It's just not as simple as it looks. And I...
1: So now what? What would you say is going to be the difference maker of like who's actually in the real estate game? Because we've seen people come and go, right? Oh, for sure. People make a lot of money over the last couple of years, especially here in central Ohio and Columbus, Ohio. And if there's any market that I'm biased on, I've said it for years now, I think from 2020 to 2030, Columbus is going to be the number one market. Again, that's my own opinion. Sure. Sure. Like I always say, none of this is financial tax legal advice on this show, (laughs) uh, but I will put the Columbus market against any other market from 2020 up to 2030 with population growth, income growth, job growth, and the cost of living. I think it's just a flawless area for investors, for everyday people to buy real estate. And so as a result of that, you get saturated markets, you get People saturated, wanting to start a title company, wanting to be an agent, wanting to start a brokerage, all these different things. So what do you think in your twenty three years of experience as a real estate agent? That makes me sound old. <laughs> hey, it's the yeah. Jordan year. Yeah. <laughs> the Jordan year. The best year <laughs> One yet. Second. All right. What's going to what's gonna separate the good from great real estate agents in twenty twenty four and years ahead?
0: So The idea that you're going to sell a house from Danson on TikTok or Instagram, like that's not like that's not the future. That's not the wave of determining who's going to be a realtor, right? Um, Those that survive the real estate industry, especially in this market, are going to be the ones who are diligent about educating themselves on the process, diligent about understanding that contract like the back of their hand. I cannot tell you how many realtors we run into who don't even know the contract well enough to explain it to the client who's signing it. Right. So I feel like it's my job to know every change as soon as it's possible. Every legal ramification from something we're seeing out in the market, your ability to pivot, stay on your toes with education. I think that's super important. I don't mean like going to like a CE class. I mean, like being in it, you need to be around other people. You can discount older agents, right? Who have been in the business a long time, but you need, those are your mentors. You absolutely should like watch what they're doing. If they're sitting around with a cup of coffee all day, that ain't your guy. Like he's not out there doing anything. So part of the reason I think that good realtors make it is because they're the ones who are really knee deep in it, trying to follow. There is no quick, like rich scheme here. The struggle I have is that people make this again, look so easy. But some, they're paying, it's a cost to someone. So somebody's losing some equity when they do a wholesale deal, right? I won't even get on the topic. I'm on a task force with the state for that. Probably gonna get a lot of hate because I'm talking about it because it's a divisive topic, but you're essentially stealing someone else's equity and taking it for yourself. Not a fan.
1: For wholesalers? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, what, why is that bad? For those that don't know, a wholesaler well, is somebody that's essentially marketing and they're marketing to find somebody that's hypothetically a distressed individual and or people yeah, selling financial
0: hardship yeah but it's usually again at the at the expense of that particular seller so it could be usually they're uh older so it could be borderline elderly abuse um you're dealing with financial hardships from families who whether they're sickness or job Went through loss. a divorce yeah absolutely and people are watching that there's a lot of misrepresentation we have people pretending to be licensed agents who aren't if you are a licensed realtor there's an ethical component that you need to be paying attention to because you can't ethically tell someone, hey, your house is worth 100. I'll buy it at 100. They get a contract on it and then they go sell it to somebody else for 150 and they just made the $50,000 profit, not the seller. So that's the part I struggle with because if you are doing your job well, yeah, you're gonna make 50 grand if you're a wholesaler, right? But how long is that sustainable? Because you're screwing somebody else in the process. If you are worried about your own pocket all the time and you put your client first, I promise you, that is longevity. That is what keeps you going when you are more focused about the needs of that client than you are anybody else. I'm not worried about how much money I'm going to make. I'm not worried about, God, I need to sell them a more expensive house because I'll make more money. It's not about me. It's about them.
1: But people would argue that that's capitalism. But do you think it's an ethics issue? It's it becomes more
0: of 100% a 100% ethical issue. Yeah. And I listen, there is a massive Facebook group, right? I'm very well aware of it.
1: Is it, we hate Nicole because we're (laughs) wholesalers?
0: They're going to change the title to the group. Uh, Yeah. And I'm in it just watching casually because the things that people are doing, if if your morality is called into question because of the things you're doing on a daily basis, that's a problem. Like Mm. you shouldn't be doing anything that requires you to compromise your integrity. And Mm. that's what's happening. And whether they like it or not, the truth hurts. You're going to get, you can make a lot of money, but at what cost? So can you look yourself in the mirror every day? I certainly can. Because I'm not screwing somebody over to do it, to be successful. I'm not screwing someone else over and taking their funds or doing shady deals for my longevity. You you have to be willing to put your integrity front and center. And you're gonna you could miss out on deals, right? But that's okay.
1: Yeah, similar to agents, over the years we've seen uh wholesalers flood kind of the marketplace, right? People selling courses, which for the record, like I think I'm, I'm a little bit down the middle. I see both sides like, hey, that individual's not educated on, you know, technically, I'm not going to go into the, the ethics and the law behind it. But, you know, I could see how someone has a valid argument as a wholesaler saying, I'm essentially just running a marketing company. I found the qualified lead that's willing to sell their product and service their home at X price. Sure. I got the buyer, uh, but I definitely see where the conflict is. And we've obviously seen that come. Uh, to the horizon here in terms of uh, agents and wholesalers where people just kind of overnight can hypothetically think that they're an agent or they're a real estate professional. Yeah. In reality, uh, wholesalers, in my opinion, they're not all of them, but most of them are just very good at marketing, maybe very good at sales, and it can make... People like yourself that have put 20 plus years of hard work, blood, sweat, tears into the industry, into, uh, quote unquote, doing the right thing. Yeah, I I
0: I don't there's enough of capitalism allows for there be opportunity for everyone. Right. So if I'm not suggesting that they can't do it. I'm suggesting that there is a situation in which your your ethics are compromised, especially if you've chosen to be a, a real estate agent, a realtor. So, you know, opportunity is there for anyone to do anything uh, and to capitalize on that if they choose to do so. But I I truly think, and it's not even like it comes at me and it's affecting my business. It doesn't affect me one way or the other because there's still enough business for me elsewhere and I'm not digging the, bar- the bottom of the barrel. But what I am looking at are those elderly clients and those people in a really bad financial position who get screwed over. That's what I struggle with. So, you know, again, these people can make a ton of money really quick and they're watching those seminars and paying for those, whatever they are,
1: you know, what's maybe the, some hypothetical solutions, right? Is it like, Hey, if the house, if you get the house in contract as a wholesaler for a hundred thousand and you can sell it to an investor or sell it to somebody else for 150,000 and they put some work into the property, and the after repair value is actually worth I don't know three hundred thousand. They put fifty grand into it, so they're all in again for easy numbers here. Two hundred thousand. They can sell it, or they can refinance. It. It's worth three hundred thousand, hundred thousand dollars of equity there for that that new end buyer. Do you think that it's a solution such as maybe they can only sell or wholesale the ownership rights of the property to the next buyer? So let's say that you are the the owner. I'm the wholesaler. And Michael behind the cameras here. We keep him. Uh, it's actually Michael Jordan because it is twenty. <laughs> He's in his Jordan year as well. Yeah, I'm honored. Uh, yeah. If 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 I get it locked in with you for a hundred thousand, should there be like a percentage or a dollar amount maximum that I can sell it to no, the next I mean, you're buyer? Essentially,
0: the middleman, right? Mm-hmm. And I have no problem with the end buyer taking that property, doing improvements, selling it for more. I have no problem with that at all. The problem I have is the, the person in the middle. And and most of my issue is truly misrepresentation because there is, they're not disclosing that they're not a realtor. We just had an issue where one of the contracts that I happened to see, because someone came to me as a family member that had received it, they misrepresented that they were a realtor. They had been at one time, Uh, The division of real estate, most consumers don't know that the division of real estate has a license lookup and you can see if somebody's suspended or their license has been revoked when they got their license, things of that nature. Consumer doesn't know that they go to realtor.com, right? So they type this guy's Mm -hmm. name in and it says realtor. The problem is, is he hasn't been a realtor for like 10 years, but he's out there still hustling people to make it look as if he is. That's where I have the problem. It's disclosure. You're not disclosing that there's a chance you're going to make money at the cost of the seller's equity. That's my problem. Disclose it. If you want if the seller's still willing to sell you the property knowing they're going to give it away to you, fine. But it's because there is this gray area or cloud over it and they're not being forthright to say, "Hey, look, I want you to know A, I'm not a realtor. B, I'm going to take your equity and I'm going to keep it."
1: Yeah, I see what you mean now. It's not necessarily the act of being a wholesaler or the act of even making a ton of money. It's the act of essentially false perception. Correct. It's the ethics piece of like, yeah, you were an agent 10 plus years ago and maybe on your Instagram bio or maybe online, you can say that John Smith, which by the way, who was it? What's his name?
0: Yeah. Well, so because we'll, I uh, wouldn't take it down, I'm not going to say anything, but
1: ah, yeah, it.
0: I'd love to. Right.
1: Dang it. Maybe uh, episode two. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll maybe uh, <laughs> we'll do
0: a tell right?
1: <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's essentially if you would look up their name and it's like, oh yeah, they real estate agents professional expert or realtor, whatever it may be. So, okay, that makes sense. That's uh just
0: misrepresenting who they are and what their role is in that transaction. And again, that's with anything. There, There are some shady buyers, right? There's shady investors, there's shady realtors, there's shady lenders, title companies, whomever. Just have some integrity in what you do. If you're gonna do it, do it all in, do it the best that you can, surpass somebody else's skill level. That's what makes you good. It's not your ability to like swindle someone.
1: One thing that you said as well that I think is very valuable to the listener, whether they want to buy a house, they want to refinance, they're an investor, they're a first-time home buyer, they're a realtor, they're in the mortgage industry. One thing that you said, I'm very biased on this because I have a background in the mortgage industry, is the changes that you've seen over the years. I asked you before we went live, I'm like, hey, what what lenders do you recommend and or that you see being valuable because, hey, look, they're the ones that are providing the loan uh, to the consumer, to the buyer. And you had mentioned that it's becoming more intriguing for buyers Mm -hmm. uh, and agents to have very good relationships built with local banks and local credit unions. Do you think that's still relevant now? And do you think that's going to stay for the next couple of years?
0: I think you need to do what's best for you. Each buyer is going to be different. Um, their needs and their financial situations are going to be different. I will say
1: in the- Don't give me the bullshit answer, Nicole. No, Come um, on now. Listen,
0: i are going to lay it out here. Um, the truth is, is that there's not just one product that works for everybody. And so I have heard from my clients who say, I don't want to sell. I don't want to get a loan and it be sold off. And then I don't know who the hell I'm paying my mortgage to. That's annoying. Um, So I get that. And so mortgage brokers, that can be tough because their whole goal is to package a bunch of loans together and sell them off and make money. That's how they work, right? It's nothing against them. I have mortgage brokers. I have a friend who's, he owns his own mortgage company. I totally get it. He, he works his ass off, right? But there's gonna be a time where I've, I've gone to him several times and said, hey man, I've got this client, here's the situation, what can you do? And he can't touch what a local bank can do. That's, I mean, he can't blame the consumer for choosing to go the, the better route. If the rate is better, if the fees are better, if it's in-house and they can do a recast or re-amortization of payment, if it's a bridge loan product, which is wildly popular the past couple of years because of the way that the market has been, they already own an existing home, their equity is in that home. We've seen equity values rise historically high. So people have all this equity in their current home. They don't have cash. Most of them don't. We just live in a society where we don't have liquid cash, which is a whole nother topic. But that's the only way they're going to buy a house is to be able to tap into that equity by doing a bridge loan. Mortgage brokers don't offer that. I'm not a huge fan of credit unions only because we tend to see some issues in in processing on my end. And I will say this, choosing your agent, whoever's gonna represent you, you should feel comfortable talking with them about every single financial decision you're making in that timeframe. Like, I have to know because I can't help you, right? As well as if I don't. So your lender is equally as important as I am. Because if you don't have a a lender who's gonna pick up the phone on a Saturday, you don't have somebody who's gonna do like run numbers for you if you need it. Uh, Rates are dramatically changing day to day right now. The Fed right? So we look at like rates were seven, close to eight. Now we're closer to six. Thank God. Hopefully they'll come back down a little bit. But we look at that and say, okay, I I can't just assume that the lender is going to be available. I need to find someone, talk to them ahead of time before I start this process, get my ducks in a row, because then you have, you're have you you're ahead of the, the process of buying a home comparative to 75% of the market. You're ready to go. Or somebody who calls me and says, hey, Nicole, I want to go see this house tomorrow. They're not ready. They have no idea what they're doing. They don't have a loan in place. They don't have an understanding of what the contract is. They don't even know what if it financially makes sense for them because we are just, they went on to Zillow and saw a house and they're like, shit, I want to go see it now.
1: Yeah, and a lot of people are just paying, and it's clearly not going to get better in our lifetime, in my opinion, paying a lot in rent. Like you go anywhere else in the world, you go to Europe and it's a shack for a million dollars. Like it's very normal in other countries that people pay upwards of 50% of their housing expense of their gross income not net after taxes they pay upwards of nearly 50 plus percent towards their housing expense whether they rent or they own so for example if you make ten thousand dollars in most other countries you're paying five thousand dollars towards a mortgage or towards rent in america that is starting to become the case but usually it's that that 33 recommendation at least when i was a mortgage lender Mm -hmm. and from a financial standpoint i believe that if people can stay at you know, one third, and I'm even more aggressive to say net, not gross income. Then you're putting yourself in a position to win and be able to have the flexibility and the freedom, and not be anchored down. But really, what you're saying, which I believe is so crucial, is not necessarily work with this particular bank. Don't work with credit union. That's none of that. Right. It's the idea that over 23 years of being in the industry, whether you are a business or whether you're an individual, and/or an individual within a business. You have to adapt and evolve. If you're not consistently talking to lenders about new product changes, it's not the interest rate. Sure, does that play a factor? But this person doesn't even qualify because they're self-employed. But this lender over here just came out with a new product that allows them to qualify with one year tax returns versus maybe two year tax returns as being self-employed. Or this buyer, not that they don't have money, their money is equity in their house. And they make great income, but they don't have time to sell their house, use that equity to close on the new one because of market conditions. So that bridge loan product, whether it's coming from Bank A or Bank Z, doesn't matter. It's just being in the game. It's it's being in a position that I'm always learning, I'm always growing, I'm always adapting, I'm always evolving because market conditions are never going to not change
0: no and that's the thing is they are constantly evolving and i think you get people who get stuck in the mud and say well i've always done it this way i've always used this person and you have to be open to change i mean that is life is nothing but change all day long so you're either resistant to it or you accept it and you grow from it so it's really about the personal relationships you have with people do you trust that lender the title company the home inspector whomever those are the it's the relationships i'm a loyal person right it Like you're on the list till you're not, till you screw up, till you take advantage of somebody else or you don't do your job well. I don't, this is another thing too. I don't want free shit. I don't want your koozie. I don't want you to take me to lunch. I don't want tickets to something. I don't want to go to a cocktail hour and I might be in the minority. I don't want any of that shit.
1: You want ammunition.
0: I I want you to do your job. some bullets. Yeah, I want you. (laughs) (laughs) That I mean, that might be nice, but I want you to do your job well, right? Mm. Because if I'm going to put you on my referral list, if I'm going to trust you to do your job well, it's my name now that you're messing with. So if I'm going to trust to do that, take care of the people I just referred you to. So again, I don't really care what company you work for. I don't really, I don't care if you're not even the best option, like interest rate wise, if the product works for that particular client. And I think again, realtors sometimes get themselves in joint ventures or ABAs, Um, which is an affiliate business agreement where they're getting paid to send referrals to companies. I don't. I don't want a sense of impropriety whatsoever. I'm sending it truly because they do a good job. And if you don't, we're done.
1: Yeah, it's like I said, uh, intention. Like that's my word for 2024 is what's your intention of sending me this tacky fucking That I don't use, right? Right. Like I think most people in business and online are fucking tacky. They're dorks, right? Especially I'm biased in the real estate industry. Like brand all day.
0: Like I'm a big uh, everything I own is brand. Like my Yetis, my my hoodies, my like I'm brand blankets, whatever I got. They're all branded, right? Totally about it.
1: But everyone starts to look the same. They post the same photos online, and they lose. Themselves in the process. It's not
0: authentic anymore, and it's that's not
1: authentic. It's not organic. Yeah, Everyone. when you're all
0: doing the same thing, right? Here's what you won't catch me doing. You won't catch me dancing in somebody's kitchen for a TikTok. I'm not effing doing it. Like it annoys me to no end when I see realtors who they compromise who they are. Like that's not me. Like if that's who you want as your realtor, fine. But I can. I'm not doing it. i'm Not dancing for houses. I didn't dance for dollars. We're not doing any of that. So that's a whole nother thing. I'm sure there's realtors that have.
1: Yeah, a lot of strippers do become. <laughs> Realtors as well. (laughs) I mean, you do
0: you, but it's not that's not me. And if that's the realtor you're looking for because they can do a TikTok dance, sweet. Good luck. Let's see how far that gets you. Did you, like, are you getting good representation? That's what should matter. Do you really know what the hell you disagreed to? Or are you more concerned about whatever the hell they're doing in a kitchen or...
1: I think a lot of realtors are not selling houses. I think they're selling OnlyFans subscriptions.
0: Either that or they're so focused on being an influencer, right? Yeah. Like again, you're compromising who you are. Like I, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm going to do it my way. And if, if I make less money, I'm okay with that because I'm not compromising who I am at the end of the day. I don't really care if I could have made a hundred thousand more or two thousand, two hundred thousand more. I don't care because it's my ability to sleep at night. It's the ability to know I took care of people and put them first. And again, not dancing in a kitchen for Instagram. We're not doing that. So. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think that uh I mean, for me, this is exactly why I had to create a podcast show because I started to feel and see myself change mm-hmm. in the process of creating over the years, where making like the perfect intro hook to a video, uh, you know, being fearful that maybe what I said was incorrect or it wasn't perfect. And you just can't, in my opinion, this is why long form content will always win. And people go, no, you have to make the perfect clips online. I say, well, guess what you do? I don't. And or guess what? I can do both. We can make clips and we can do all these things. So the podcast for me was like, okay, what's the most simple and effective, scalable and profitable way to create in the new digital economy? Because I do believe that people are silly if they're not creating, they're not putting things out there. And I think long format through a real authentic conversation Sure, there can be talking points, but I think that's through a podcast. That's why millions of podcasts come and go, but like I told you, 99% of them don't get to 21 episodes because uh, you're gonna say some wrong things, trust me. You're gonna look back and be like, why in the world did I ask that question? Why didn't I ask this? Why did I not listen? Why did I interrupt? All these things, but at the end of the day, one, two, three hours of a real conversation, your phone's away, you're actually present. You get to learn about other people's story, their value, their beliefs, whether you agree or disagree. People are silly. That's why that's why podcasts, in my opinion, that are longer are better. Uh, you have no problem watching the entire Netflix season of X, uh-huh. whatever, fill in the blank. When that comes out, you watch all seven episodes. That's three, four, five, six hours. So when people have tried to tell me, like, I think you should keep your show to an hour. You should do 30 minutes. I say,
0: okay, then you do it. You do it your way. I'll do it mine. Exactly. Same reason I opened a brokerage. Like everybody was like, don't do it. You're doing what, like you're not going to make it. You won't, you need the big carrier of the name. No, I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't. I'm going to do it my way. And if it doesn't succeed, I have no one to blame but myself. I'm okay with that. It's a chance I'm willing to take. Same idea with your podcast to be able to do the content you want to do and the way you want to
1: do it. Who cares? Yeah. It's not for, it's not for everyone, but it is for someone. And I think that's why personal branding is absolutely crucial. We see it all the way from the Elon Musk to Jeff Bezos to uh, realtors to podcasters. We can all Google or go to YouTube and type how to buy a house. And there's 37 trillion different videos. But they're selecting Nicole as their agent because of the personal brand. They don't care if you're at Keller Williams, if you have your own brokerage, if this and that uh in my opinion like that's just not how it works they're selecting relationship yeah based on relationships and if you're a realtor or really anyone online because that's why i wanted you to come on the show there's thousands of realtors to select from and i know hundreds i know some of the best of the best in terms of numbers in the industry like some of them are my close friends i can call them right now they would answer and uh one thing that really intrigued me about your page and just oh, wow, we haven't even met before and I feel like I know her is how you've put things out online. And this is not a shot at other agents necessarily. Maybe some don't want to put themselves out online and I actually respect that as well. So I kind of conflict myself oftentimes where I'm like, oh no, I actually kind of see how you post the same listing photo and on your page and maybe you get the relationships elsewhere. Maybe maybe you're creating the content offline because there's a beauty to that as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think just like anything else, any other industry, it's about the connection and relationship you have with people. And I think it's easy to see someone and have a perception of who they might be or what they might think, but until you actually get to know them. So my goal with Instagram or Facebook or in general has, has been to, to show people truly like a glimpse of what my day is like. And sometimes it could be like, shit has hit the fan. Other realtors have annoyed me to no end, right? Like (laughs) We we all have a black book of like agents that have just either rubbed us the wrong way, have done some ethical unethical stuff. And you're just like, no, I do not want to work with that person again. Um, That black book will probably stay private, but they knew who they are because there's no warm and fuzzy, right? I'll do do a deal if I have to with you, but we're gonna get it done and we don't have to exchange pleasantries. Like we're just gonna get it done. But yeah, I, everybody's got that list.
1: That is where, because I could potentially be coming off as like hating realtors right now uh, and maybe people <laughs> in the industry, that's not the point it's at good all. It's in feelings. Yeah, yeah. You got to keep you guys on your toes. But I, that's where I actually do have a, a ton of respect. You're managing relationships and emotions all day long on people's biggest, likely biggest investment they'll ever make in their lifetime, like th- their home. Yeah. Right. And it's a heightened emotion for everyone involved.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing. People are usually moving for life events, right? So they're getting divorced, sadly, or they're getting married. They are downsizing because they're at a point in their life where they don't need a bunch of space or they're upsizing because they're starting a family and they suddenly found out they're having triplets, right? That's happened. Death is a big thing, too. You know, people die and I don't think people realize that that in itself is a whole nother real estate transaction that you want to be careful who you choose when you're dealing with a situation that it's end of life or death has already happened. I don't know. I, you need to be as selective about who you're hiring Mm -hmm. as you would like who you pick your dentist, right? They're going to be in your mouth. They're going to be like, it's invasive, right? I'm going to know details about you and your life that you may or may not want me to know, but there is, A reason I'm asking these questions, it's so that I can truly guide you in the best way possible. Um, And some realtors are there just for the transaction, which is sad because they're looking at their own pocket. But again, if you put other people's needs above your own, it usually works out at the end and in the long run.
1: And what do you think is the biggest opportunity in real estate, specifically here in Columbus in 2024 and years down the road?
0: So if you look at rental rates right now, just if you're trying to rent, house or apartment, they're sky high and they're continuing to go higher, um, which is great for investors who own them. But if it's you renting, it's starting to hurt. I mean, if you look at inflation and you look at the cost of living here, it's thankfully we're not those outlying states like California where, you know, we have a mass differential between income and cost now, I think here in Columbus, we have a lot of opportunity with the amount of growth we're having, but that comes at a cost too. We are in a nice situation and I'm not going to be the realtor that says, now's the time to buy or now's the time. I hate it. It annoys me to no end because there's always a time to do this. It's yeah. just whether or not it works best for you. Mm-hmm. Somebody's always in a position of buying or selling power. It just depends on who, what party you are. Yep. So I think going forward, I see Columbus Kind of being insulated from what will happen around the rest of the country because we have so much growth happening here. So I, you know, I don't have any wildly creative insights to you know with my crystal ball over here to tell you that things are going to be so great in 2024. It's going to be good for you if the interest rate makes sense in comparison to what rental rate looks like, especially first-time home buyers. Mm-hmm. We might get to a point, sadly, in our country where you may not own a home one day, or it won't be as commonplace. For that opportunity to happen or present itself so i think if you are in a position to do it and you haven't done it before you might want to have some time to maybe sit down with someone and kind of walk through that idea see what that payment looks like is it comfortable what's a long-term goal in holding does this turn into an investment property does it not
1: yeah and i think too it's the the evolution it's being able to like adapt it's yeah. being creative and i believe that's where potentially agents and people in real estate can be nervous or fearful or have to overcompensate and say certain statistics and stats. Whereas essentially what you're saying is whether the interest rate is 7%, 6%, which by the way, that's pretty normal. If you look at interest rates over the last hundred years. Historically, yeah. And unfortunately, historically speaking, Usually when rates are dropping, that's actually usually when we're about to go into a recession and or already in one. It's big. People don't
0: want to look at that.
1: Yeah, people want to ignore that, right? We got hedge funds coming in and they are scooping up the American dream where you're not owning a home. You're going to live in an apartment. You're going to own nothing and be happy is what they said.
0: That doesn't work for me.
1: And that's because you're creative. You're willing to get the deal done if the person wants it. And I think that's where at least... The accounts that I follow and seeing people create online, it's, there's 101 trillion different ways to get a real estate deal done. No matter what the interest rate is, no matter if you have a bridge loan or not, I think that's what we're starting to see is people become more educated or agents become more educated to understand how to negotiate a deal to say, hey, we'll do seller financing or we'll get creative and be able to assume that person's mortgage loan because they have a lower rate.
0: Yeah, and I think that's coming. I think that's coming. I think we're going to be in a position where somebody's got it locked in at 3% and maybe rates after this, you know, election cycle go back up, which they probably will. Right. Again, no crystal ball, but just looking at history, why wouldn't you have the opportunity? If you can take on a 3% mortgage, why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. So if a seller's able to let you assume their mortgage from when they bought in 2018, 2019, yeah, it makes th- that property more sellable too. It's, it's- more attractive.
1: I think people just get blinded they're like oh rates are too high home prices are going up it's like do you realize that you can negotiate a rent to buy do you know do you know that you can negotiate a different contract it comes back to what you're saying it's like most agents don't even know how to look at a a typical contract and understand what it means that's why law coming back to whether you want to own a gun or not own a gun you know law is is how society operates it's how you know law and order keeps things hypothetically a little bit less chaotic, but if you understand the law and you continue to educate yourself and get around the right people, there's always a solution. There's always a solution, no matter if the house doubled in value and nothing changed in terms of its price and the interest rates doubled or tripled, there's always a way to get the deal done. And in real estate, guess what? Most of the time, you're not going to be able to measure all the benefits on a spreadsheet. You're going to say, hey, I have the peace of mind that when the energy grid goes down, like Nicole was predicting, <laughs> I didn't say that. She I was saying that. And glow. She was she was giving yeah, you all yeah. these conspiracy. I'm joking. Yeah. Trying to get the board of realtors. I might have on that a little bit, but yeah. I mean. It's just the control thing, right? Like yeah. you can't put a peace of mind to whether your mortgage payment is double or triple to owning a home. You
0: have to live somewhere though.
1: You have to live somewhere or you can have a home office. You have tax benefits. You can create content out of there. You can have friends and family over. You can- whatever that may be, and I think that's where people get a little too stuck Sure, is they look at the price and the interest rate, but they don't understand there's other ways to get the deal done that actually may be an even better deal than if the price was lower, if the interest rate was lower.
0: Well, and prices are going to continue to go up. That's the part I don't think. They're like waiting for this bubble to burst of some sort. And I was around when that happened, right? 08, 09, I got it. I mean, I survived that because... People still had to sell their homes, so again, it was a good market, just not for a seller, right? So, I think we will see some change in the market that is truly just reflective of where we are as a society. And you know, while I understand the benefit of being an investor, I think we have to be careful with that too. Because if you sell off at all, as you said, we could be at a, in a position where we own nothing. I'm not okay with that. I'm also not I'm not cool with other countries owning large portions of territory in the united states i'm concerned about that to be honest something people don't want to talk about china yeah it's a real threat and i don't think people are paying attention because it's easier to just turn away and focus on something else
1: it's easier just to complain it's easier just to complain and deflect uh we've all done it right well that's not my fault But I guess what? Everything's your responsibility.
0: Yeah, but you might be a seller and I've had this happen in the past year where they've presented with multiple offers, right? And they have an option to choose an owner occupant versus an investor. And they know it based upon the fact that they can see who the seller or the buyer is from the name on the contract, right? And so they could get more, but I have clients who are like, look, and it's almost heartwarming. They're looking at it going, I actually care about my neighbor. I'm not gonna put an investor in here. I want to like an owner-occupant. It doesn't necessarily have to be a family because a family is a changing thing too, right? You don't necessarily have to have kids to be considered a family. But I think people really want somebody who's going to have pride in their home, take care of it because it affects the neighboring homes around it where investors aren't, they're not there. They're not taking care of it in the way that you would. So we had sellers choose owner-investors or owner-occupants over investors. And that that was huge. It
1: was huge. They took less money. Yeah, and that's a core principle though of- A core principle you could argue of America's freedom and capitalism to take whatever offer you want and get the biggest bang for your buck, take the highest bidder. But that's coming back to the ethics piece, right? It's like sometimes that greed versus taking a very solid profit to look out for your neighbor. But then again, like maybe that neighbor was annoying, you know? So maybe you're like, yeah, fuck that neighbor. I'm taking China's offer. I'm going to hope. I'm going to
0: hope that (laughs) uh, like, I don't know, maybe it's the like old fogey in me that's really hoping that like people disconnect and get to know who their neighboring people are whether it's like the direct neighbor or not like the neighbors in where you live and like just being aware that they're there right so that's half the battle i i commend those sellers for taking less money because they truly were like it was a conscience thing for them they were like you know what i'm not willing to compromise some integral parts of who i am and how i think just for a couple extra thousand dollars i'm not doing it so i was kind of excited to see it
1: it's actually kind of crazy you bring that up because I was just talking about this to my significant other the other day. I'm like, I know more people on my phone, on Instagram. Mm. I know them better, or at least I feel like I know them better. Than your neighbor. Than my neighbor. Yeah, I know more people on Instagram and have more conversation with them than the people that I see in the elevator in this building. Whether it's good or bad, I don't know, but it is interesting. It is interesting to think about because that's where America's going. It's going to you're going to live in this building you're going to rent it's owned by an investor or a big hedge fund Uh, and this is where you go to the gym and this is where you get your food and you don't leave this little one mile radius which can be good also it can be bad
0: yeah i don't know that that's quite the american dream for everyone right i've gotten a lot of requests lately for people for land right um so i have a friend of mine who he is a pt He and his wife just got married and they wanted acreage away, away from society, away. And it's not that they're antisocial people. They're amazing people. But they're looking at it like, if I'm going to have a family, I want to control where I live, the content that reaches them, the food supply that reaches them. Like it's a legit concern for a lot of people. And it's not to be doomsday, right? Mm -hmm. But it's just saying, hey, I want to control this because I don't want to be pigeonheld into living in a one building and going to the same gym and doing the same thing that everybody else is doing and they rely heavily on their neighbors too because their neighbor might help them out during a snowstorm or you know with cattle like people in Ohio are talking about cattle right It's not like I don't know it's a big thing and I, I think you'll start to see the push from central Ohio out much further because it's not necessarily that it buys you more it's it's what it buys it's the freedom that it gives you and that's not everybody's dream and that's okay but I'm seeing a lot of that a lot of people wanting to go out further.
1: That's what I've been betting on the last, uh, you know, when I say 2020 to 2030 uh, in central Ohio and and Columbus is, if you look at the markets that have higher population, you know, 500 to a couple million, let's say, it's not necessarily that market that, in my personal opinion, is going to explode. It's the surrounding sub-markets to secondary markets, but then the kind of like the secondary market within the secondary market, right? right? It's not necessarily downtown Columbus, which has seen a lot of growth in suburbs. It's now going to be the 20, 30-minute drive outside of the city yeah. that we're starting to see expand where it's just far enough where you can maybe get someone to deliver pizza or you can still <laughs> drive to go pick it up, right? Uh, which is funny because we're Internet talking about- is a though. huge thing too, though. The what, sorry? The
0: internet. That's the the bigger thing that I think we have to think about too is access to high-speed internet. That plays one of the biggest roles in determining whether somebody's going to move out further. I think if that was something that was easily and readily available to people out pretty far, we would have a massive explosion. But because they're looking at satellite as an option for internet access, that is really where it becomes an issue. So I don't know. If we can get infrastructure with that out a little bit further... I think it opens the floodgates.
1: Well, if the internet goes down, right. I uh don't know how relevant well, it is. We're all
0: screwed because I don't think anybody seems to function these days about <laughs> it. So
1: Yeah, that's a whole that's a whole other topic. Now, how, how do you get leads? How do you get uh qualified leads? We know that you can cold call, you can go to networking events, you can put content out there, but like what is one unique way that a a real estate agent or maybe how you have gotten Qualified leads.
0: Yeah. So I'm gonna be like uh in the minority here because I don't pay for leads. I have never in my life, in my career, paid for a lead. I don't pay sites to send me leads. I don't pay a broker never have to send me leads. It is truly about the relationships I have with people. And if they feel like they trust your knowledge on a subject, if they feel like they trust you as a person and that they, they align, maybe not always, but in some ways with you, it, it's a trust thing. So I, I'm not the person to ask like, Hey, am I cold calling? No, I'm certainly not knocking on doors either. I think that we have gotten to a point where, you know, again, the real estate culture and every social media outlet's telling you go knock on doors. It might work for you. Right. But people don't like it. Mm-hmm. I think it is very abrasive and that's not an impression I want to make on someone's. I'm not going to do it that way. Um, but if you want to do it, there's consequences to anything, right? You take that that chance. Um, but I'm not somebody who's going to do that. I think once you, you are who you surround yourself with. And I think this is truly about like, again, the relationship part of life, you know, when you surround yourself with people who are driven and successful and want, they're not mad because some other guy makes more than them. They're like, good for you. Mm -hmm. Good for you for busting your ass because I want to do, I'm going to do the same, maybe not the same way, But good for you, like there's a happiness level that comes with being happy for somebody else to see them succeed that I think young entrepreneurs, and that word is used a lot, they miss out on. They're so busy trying to find a quick hustle way to like make magic happen that they're missing out on the long-term relationships that they could have with the people they surround themselves with. And I don't know, you are the sum of the people you hang out with.
1: So where are you hanging out with people?
0: So it's not necessarily like a place. I don't go to network groups i am recently more involved with the columbus realtors out of necessity not out of desire to be involved um, sometimes when you see an old boys club i'll call it uh an older established type thing and you get frustrated with how things are handled or managed and it dictates how you do your business
1: like the freemasons or something like no. that
0: <laughs> <laughs> i had the ioof believe it or not in my office building it's a whole nother thing but you get frustrated enough that you come. There comes a point where you can either bitch and complain about it or you can get involved and do it. And I have held off as long as possible. I'm involved now. So we're going to see where it goes. So I don't know that it's a networking thing, but I'm surrounding myself with people who are not lazy. Surrounding yourself with people who are driven. They Whatever their goal is, even if it's not the same as yours, driven to just do whatever their goal is. And they're not talking about it. They're just, their head is down and they're going for it. I think it's too who your friends are right? So I'm not hanging out. You won't catch me dancing on a bar. Like that's not ever going to be when I was younger. It wasn't a thing either. So like everybody else was doing it. Good for them. You're just not going to catch me tanked on a Tuesday, sit in a bar. It's not my thing. Maybe that's how other people network. I don't know, but that's not, you're you're not going to catch that with me.
1: Well, I think it's also in a sense what you're sharing or one thing I've recognized in your communication, which I believe is very effective is here's what I'm not going to do. Here are the people that I don't want to work with. Here's who, I, who I'm who i not.
0: It sounds negative, but it really isn't. Like, I'm not a negative person. I think it's just, I am secure in what I want, how I want to do it, and who I want to be with. And you, ha- you have to be. Mm-hmm. I don't know that you can do that in the beginning of any career because you got to just take what comes, right? But you become more discerning as you are more wise to your industry.
1: We're not even take, take what comes. I think it's more of it, you're discovering who you are Uh, If it is a side hustle, if it is a beginning of a career, you go, well, I have no idea who I like to work with until I work with all types.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then you find out, hey, I really don't like doing this. I really don't like focusing on this particular type of product. I don't want to sell multifamily or in my case, I don't want to do commercial like good for the people who do. My other half does it right He's a more patient person than I am a deal can take a year I don't <laughs> have that, like I I have to keep moving like that's not I'm not built that way so I think again it's just making sure that you are around people listening to content that is inspiring motivating because again it can be motivating but if you aren't a disciplined person none of that matters either so you really have to be right with yourself um and, and just tune out the noise
1: yeah because there's a, there's a lot of noise yeah. <laughs> I call it like night vision mode. You got to just sometimes go in the dark. You got to go silent. Sometimes silence is the best form of communication. Most people can't be alone because in reality they're lonely uh, and that silence is very, very loud and they can't handle it. So they have to go distract themselves by going to the bar, distract themselves posting everything they're doing because the people that they're around are affiliated with or they're just not comfortable being silent because again, the thoughts can get can get very loud. Right. So what do you like to do for, you know, your mental health? What do you like to do to be and continue to adapt to be the best version of yourself? Do you like to go to church? Do you like to meditate? Do you like to work out? Do you like to, uh, shoot people at target? Like, what do you like to do?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, this is not where I have like a profound statement or, uh, I'm going to share like some nugget of like magic with you, but the older I have gotten and the more secure I am in the position I have, in life, I do whatever I want at the time in which I want to do it. There comes a freedom with success that is worth more than money. And it is the ability to plan your day how you want to. So sometimes that will be, uh, for example, like, I don't know if you watch women's basketball. I never used to, I could, I wasn't even on my radar. Started watching Caitlin Clark with Iowa Hawkeyes. She is a phenomenal athlete. I like I'm inspired by people who are just good at their craft. Right. So for me recently, we went to uh, the NCAA women's tournament in Greenville last spring. Um, I flew out to Iowa this year Mm -hmm. just to catch a game. Um, Mm -hmm. Going next week to the OSU women's uh, against Iowa, their game. So that's been kind of cool. It's something new for me. Um, I aspire to be taller and to be a good, (laughs) uh, better athlete. Uh, That is, I think that ship has sailed, but um, I'm going to hit
1: my growth spurt. (laughs) too. Right. <laughs> Here, the next couple. Of years, I yeah.
0: joke in the gym that you know one day I'll be as tall as the amazing athletes that come in there. Um,
1: Caitlin Clark's a baller.
0: Yeah, I mean, but oh. like, model some of the things that are great about her in your own life, which is like, if you're going to do something, fucking excel at it. Yeah, like, be the best at that. So that's inspiring to me. That gives me a little bit of like off time. You know, I I enjoy being at home. Believe it or not, sometimes I need the quiet mm-hmm. because I just need. I'm I'm talking all day to people and you take on sometimes their the heavy things that they carry when you're trying to help them through a transaction. And so sometimes I just need the quiet, Um, but I don't have like any exciting hobbies. Like, again, I'm not out at the range every week. It's, I probably should be, Um, you know, I'm not necessarily going on some, you know, mission trip of some sort or some sabbatical.
1: Yeah. I think that's, one thing you had brought up too is a very, very good point. I think how, like where my respect comes in for people in the real estate industry, especially realtors, is that energy exchange, Mm -hmm. right? Like when you're going to go get your hair done, which again, looks great for 23 years being in the industry. uh, I even find myself, right, like, going to my barber it's almost like in a sense a therapy session yeah uh where you just went in there to get your hair cut or get your hair done and in reality you're like talking about some family trauma uh, or you're talking about like the holidays and you know you're mad at your cousin or whatever it may be right or vice versa but it's a big energy exchange they're going through a big change in their life it's a big investment to buy a home you're in person with them which is way different than doing things virtually like on a phone call or all the above mm-hmm. for a realtor. So it's like, at the end of the day, you're like, holy cow, I just was on 37 phone calls. One closing's going sideways because of X, Y, Z. It's
0: usually not just one,
1: by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's usually like five at a time. Right? It's usually every closing's yeah. one going sideways. But all of that, most of it, if not all of that, is uh, not your fault, but it's your responsibility. And I think that just, again, comes back to what we're talking about is, so easy to like deflect that. It's so easy to say interest rates are are too high, so I'm not going to buy a home. But I didn't know I could do it this way or get this type of loan, or you buy leads or you advertise and invest your money into that. But I don't have to. Yeah, I think that's where people in any industry go wrong, right? Uh, but again, coming back to the the point of what I'm getting here at is the energy exchange. Right. Coming back to like, oh, I need to fill my cup back up because you're pouring into into everybody else's cup. Uh, What do you and your your husband like to do?
0: So funny story. We're actually not married. Um, We have been together 17 years. Um, We got a ring because people wouldn't stop asking. So uh, people are usually pretty surprised by that. Um, You know, we, I don't know, we might just be like the weird couple that like just enjoys being with each other.
1: Were you guys married before?
0: So I was for like a hot minute. Most people don't know that. Um, Um, I was like 22,
1: 21, 22. Um, Is that when you were dancing on TikTok back uh, then?
0: (laughs) Thank God that actually wasn't even around. You know, here's the other thing too. Like when you're young, you were so dumb. You're so dumb. And you have to know that going into it. Like you just have to know you're going to make some really dumb mistakes. One of which was marriage. By the way, I would caution people when you're buying real estate, really, like, I know this is taboo. Prenup, 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 prenup. You know why? Because you are going to have split everything half and that includes the equity in a house. It can get really convoluted. But anyway, um, yeah, I I don't know. You're young. You make dumb choices. That's just how you learn. I learned that I like my last name on my building and so I wasn't going to change it. And it works for us. We've watched several couples around us get divorced and remarried several times over. Um, Do we have a perfect relationship? No one does. But I think we... We enjoy being together because we know, by the way, the door is right there. Mm -hmm. And at any point it could be open. Mm -hmm. So I'm just not going to like, you make a choice every day to be together. So that's kind of, we just take wherever the day goes and that's what we do. I mean, it's not like, I don't have, again, no profound, like we meditate together. We go to the gym together. That's, I think that's really good. Um,
1: What else? I don't know. Like. You guys travel at all or like. um, This
0: past year we have. Nice. um, But for the most part, we're both work really hard and
1: you, you guys have kids no we have two dogs oh no yeah. those are kids
0: yeah i just that had,
1: attacked my mind on the way in so
0: <laughs> i love dogs we um my sister just had uh, my first niece so that's oh. been really cool um it also makes you realize how fast life
1: goes it's, it's crazy to see how fast like uh my brother had a baby and oh. shout out to little mave love that little girl to death from holding her in the hospital yeah. to five, six months later, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy to yeah, they see. It's It's so wild. Yeah. Like yesterday you were just sitting in arms and now you're giggling and laughing. It's so crazy Well, to and see. they change
0: you too, because you yeah. might be completely hard of a person. I am mush around this baby. Yeah. Like she is absolute joy. That's been exciting for us as a family. Um, you know, I think
1: Will you adopt? Maybe.
0: No, I think we're at a point where we recognize that we're just. I'm good loving on everybody else's kids. Yeah, yeah, it works for me. Like yeah. I, I, there's something about holding the title of aunt or uncle or, you know, where we get to really be involved, but I get to give them back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do love them. I think. Um, I don't know. My my perspective has changed. My dad died in 2020, mm. and. Uh, unexpectedly. And it changes your whole view on what's important, what matters, your calmness in life, how you talk to people, how you leave people. I think that's had an effect on my business too. So I just, I'm so excited to spend time with people that I don't even care what we're doing. So that's why I don't like have these hobbies and like, I'm not mountain climbing and I'm not like, you know, painting on the weekends. Like that's just not my thing, but I don't know what my thing is, but it's just like truly enjoying being around the people that I love.
1: Yeah, I like that. And that kind of comes back to the name of the show and why I created the name All for Nothing, because I believe most people go their entire life, they go day in and day out, have nothing to show for it. Right. They could look back at 9 p.m. on a Monday and go, what did I actually do today? Did I align with what I prefer, my values, my beliefs? Uh, Who am I? Right. And that's why most people unfortunately die with regret. Mm -hmm. They have nothing to show for it or this wasn't me, unfortunately, but yeah, they might be the trust fund kid, right? Where they have all these assets, but yet, in a sense, all these burdens that are passed along to them, and that's why it returns back to poverty nearly 70% of the time, within the second generation. So that's why I, again, created the name All for Nothing to ensure that I, myself, the audience listening in, the guests coming on the show, it's a friendly reminder to make sure that you're not doing it all for nothing. Yeah. So, although you don't have, you know, what seems to be, I'm sure there are some, uh, you know, hobbies or quote unquote special interests, but what are you doing to ensure that you're not doing this all for nothing?
0: I mean, it's the satisfaction at the end of the day of knowing you've helped someone in some way, like that you left them better than you found them, right? Mm -hmm. When you think it, like if you were to surmise your life when it's over, what do you want people to think about you? Mm -hmm. I don't want it to be that Nicole was the hardest worker. I work hard, no doubt. Like I will outwork anyone. But I don't want that to be on my headstone. Like I want it to be like, God, she busted her ass for me. She cared enough about me. She put me first. She had my back always. Those are the things that I hope when I like look back at my life that that's what it was for, was for other people, that it wasn't just about what could I get? It was about how can I make an impact on the people I love and care about the most Again, leaving them better than I found them. And I, I think so many times we are stuck looking at a phone, missing out on moments of our lives where I would give my left leg to spend two minutes with my dad. I don't have that as an option. But you, you your your view on things changes when you lose someone. And it, until it happens, you can't even know the gravity or the depth of it. Um, it's changed me dramatically as a person. I am much more calm because if it's not death, we're good.
1: Yet I think- because we all heard, we all we all hear, you know, work hard. Yeah, I think, I think most people actually work very hard. I think most people work very hard. If not, I think everyone works hard. It's working wiser. Sure, that's not so easy, right? Working hard is easy. Working wiser is not sure. easy. So you you mentioned your dad passed away in twenty twenty. Uh, it seemed like it left a pretty big impact on your life and who you are and had changed kind of how you operate and the things that you value and the people that you value. What else did you learn in that, in that experience of losing your dad?
0: You are unfortunately very aware of who's there for you when you need them. Unfortunately, when he passed away, it was right when the shutdown had happened. Um, So we had a funeral for him that was dramatically different than any funeral I've ever been to. Um, where you couldn't, people couldn't hug you. Like that is an isolating feeling when you're trying to console someone, or someone's trying to console you, and they can't, even in their best ability, right? Um, it is, and I really
1: hate to interrupt you in this yeah. because, in my opinion, we think we can't hug you, yeah, based on the fear that was projected onto Correct. us. Yeah, that's a. Whole other so other that's thing. that's a whole other topic, but yeah. that's what I find interesting. Is do you think? You could not have gone to the hospital. You think you could not have hugged each other based on a whole other topic, fill in the blank.
0: Yeah. I mean, it definitely like not to be like completely crass here, but like it fucks you up when you're standing there and like you're in the depths of the deepest shit you've ever been. And people just are standing there and they can't like, they can't, they're afraid it's fear, right? They're afraid to hug you. They're afraid to console you. And I get it at the time. I get it. Looking back now, it's unbelievable that that's how it was handled. But I think his death taught me a couple of things. One, how grateful I am that my body moves, right? That my, I have a vessel that I am bestowed to keep care of. Right. And I think we as a society take for granted the ability to like move to breathe, yeah. to, you know, we abuse it daily. We all do mm-hmm. to some degree with something, whether it's food or alcohol or drugs or whatever. I saw that as an opportunity to go, what am I doing? Like I consume things that I shouldn't. Like this is not like if, if I were to die tomorrow, I'm not ready. Like I have things I want to yeah. do. Um, and I think I felt robbed of time with him. So it made me look at my life and go, do I want to be behind a desk or in my car showing houses all day? If that's all it is. Like, if that's all I get to do, is that what I want to do? No. So I've allowed myself more freedom to go do things I want to do. Um, and again, more of spur things. Like, I'm not a spur. Of the- I'm a planner. I'm a type A. Like, I need to know every detail. But it was like, hey, you know, we're not doing anything. Why don't we go to Iowa? Why don't we go to this basketball game? Because what else am I doing? Right. It sounded fun. I'm going to go. That's not how
1: many, many people say it sounds fun to go to Iowa, but you know, <laughs>
0: Iowa is strangely like Ohio. Um, but it was just something that you know it allowed me to see the opportunity in like those blank spaces in my calendar to yeah. just not let them pass me by, but to really utilize those and go do something and make a memory. My dad used to say, you know, you have an opportunity with the time that you have to make memories, like do it, like whether it's just for a drive or going to lunch. One of the things I regret the most was that he, before Christmas, he, he got sick in January, um, right at the start of not knowing what uh, COVID was. And I look at the fact that he'd asked me to go to lunch and I put it off. It haunts me. Mm-hmm. All he wanted was my time. And I was so insistent upon like, I have things I need to do. I'm running a business. We just opened, I just renovated our office, which is a old building. It's an old church. Like it sucked every moment of time I had, but I had to make the time and I didn't. So it's something that sticks with me. I know that my dad was a very forgiving person and he's not mad about it. Like I know that. Uh, he also talked to me about granting grace to people and to myself. Hmm. Um, So I've had to learn how to do that. And I'm not going to be perfect. I'm going to get it wrong. I fail every day at something, whether it's being, you know, a realtor, whether it's being a good sister, a good daughter, a good granddaughter, a good uh, partner, like whatever it is, at some point during the day, I'm going to fail at something, right? But it's knowing that and saying, hopefully there's forgiveness in that. There's grace in that. And tomorrow's another day, God willing. So,
1: And then focusing on the thing is, it comes back to like the hate comments. Like it's so easy to say, Uh, I should have, you know, sacrificed my time. But you can also reflect back and say, well, if I didn't do that, then I wouldn't be even on the podcast show right now because I would not have been able to build the credibility in the team and create the clients experience that I that I've created. And that comes back to giving yourself grace, right? Even if you fail at things, right? Well, what did I actually do? Good. Comes back to the principle in my motto, which is being focused on running your own race and ensuring that you're not doing it all for nothing because it's so easy to say all the things that you did wrong, but it's like, well, if I just actually do like probably one good thing a day, that's going to move the needle. Yeah. That's all that really matters. I don't think it's going to Iowa, but you know, hey, who am I?
0: <laughs> I mean, if that's what I do for fun, right? In fact, yeah. we were actually just talking about going back, but I think it, you have to look for, almost like romanticizing your life. You have to look for the accomplishments, however minor they might be in every day and saying, I, you know, yeah, I failed short on X, Y, and Z on my list. But man, if I didn't knock out A, B, and C, right? Mm-hmm. And and being okay with those things and saying, you know, I'm going to take the time to appreciate what I'm doing, take the time to appreciate who I'm with, um, mm-hmm. whether that's personal time or work time. I am grateful for the experience of realizing that everybody's journey is different. It doesn't matter if it vibes with somebody else. If they wouldn't do it the way you're doing it, who cares, mm-hmm. right? I think as you get older, you become more secure in your ability to be okay with your path when it's not even remotely going the direction of everybody else's.
1: Yeah, like we said before we went live, babies and kids and old people don't give a fuck. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) I think if we can just choose to be a little bit more like the kids or the baby or the older person and not give a fuck, Mm -hmm. uh, your life will get a lot better. And I think we all know what I'm saying when I mentioned that, right? Like the kids just run around do whatever they want. Yeah. Right? Old people are like, nope, I don't really care. Just say and do. Whatever I want.
0: Right. I don't know that I want to be quite there yet. Like I want to still be a kind and warm person. I don't want people to be like, God.
1: You're still sitting on the board of realtors. So you still got to.
0: Well, I'm looking at it like I will be a bulldog when I need to be. Do not mess with me. Like I will not tiptoe, but I won't get there until I have to. Like I don't want to be known as like so ferocious that nobody wants to come and talk to you. Right. That's not it. But I will handle it when it needs handled. Otherwise, I'm going to do it nice and calmly. I'm going to enjoy my day because
1: that's what i want to do yeah and sometimes just not having an opinion is great too that's one thing that i think about oftentimes in having the show like some key takeaways over the year of filming Uh, sometimes i just don't need to have a comment on a topic uh whether it's something going on politically whether it's something religious related whether it's something in society whether it's this war that protest this decision that decision sometimes it's just I don't have an opinion on that, or I don't care to have an opinion on that. And uh, I think that's where, again, coming back to like social media, being online, having a podcast show. Yeah. Sometimes you just, I don't know if that's what people want. If they want to dance on TikTok to get their leads, great, lovely, wonderful. <laughs> like, on based on my experiences or what I've learned, not necessarily here's what you should do. It's well, what's helped me? Or maybe you should consider, right? Communicating in that manner uh, has at least helped me a lot, right? So uh it's been fun. It's been fun to chat with you and, yeah. and hopefully you enjoyed yeah, taking the I time.
0: appreciate that it wasn't as uh frightening as people make it out to be. Yeah. I think it's really just having like a, a true, like, let's just chat about it. Yeah, to make eye contact with people. It's kind of profound there, right?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I've learned a lot in this process as far as like listening, trying to not interrupt. And then sometimes you do got to interrupt, got to have fun with it. Um, but I, I enjoyed myself chatting with you and I think there's a lot of principles in terms of how you live your life and who you are. And uh, it seems like based on what I've heard from you, a lot of that stems from the reset years and losing your father and going through that adversity uh, because adversity is coming right? Whether we want it or not. And a lot of times that adversity is a direct, a direct light on your environment of people, places, and things. It's the direct light of like, oh man, I thought these certain people would be here to have my back. But in reality, you go, well, did you really need anyone to have your back? Why did you have this expectation of others? Uh, the places that you're going to, the things that you're doing, I always, always talk about environment uh, and then in reality, it's usually a direct reflection of yourself. So, again, I enjoyed my time chatting with you. Same. Anything else that you want to leave the listener with? Anything else that uh, Yeah, just they can learn? Yeah,
0: you know, just be careful. If you're out thinking about doing real estate in Central Ohio and hiring, whether you're buying something or selling something, just be careful. Really take the time to interview a couple people, see who you really vibe with, who's a good fit for you. It is not just picking somebody. It's not just like, hey, they have a good Facebook page or nobody's looking at that anyway, right? Can you have a good relationship with that person? So that's all I'll leave you with. Just don't pick your mom's brother's uncle's cousin, right? That's not a good reason to pick an agent.
1: Yeah, who you should not pick are the ones that are not... Making cool content or getting on podcast shows, <laughs> and they're using their photos from 23 years ago on the business cards. Yeah, if you we go. don't
0: recognize you, that is a problem. You definitely yeah. need to update your, your pick, Just saying,
1: yeah, don't get catfished by your realtor. <laughs> that's that's rule number one. So, yeah. if there's any wise words that I, I don't can share? Use
0: AI, so we're good.
1: All right, all right, cool. Thank you. See you guys in the next show, and uh, I'll have all your contact info in the bio below. Cool. Awesome. I am. There we go, Nicole.